This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless. Available online at bravadowireless.com. It is eight, now probably seven nineteen here on the Blitz eleven seventy on this Monday drive to work. Rick Corey and Scott File here in the Tulsa Oilers hockey studio. Oh yeah, we want to make sure you have an opportunity to win those Dallas Cowboys tickets. Just text the word Dallas right now to nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. That's that's right. Just text Dallas nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. That'll sign you up for a season, you know, regular season game. Then we'll have a way for you to sign up to win those tickets to see the Cowboys on Thanksgiving, plus those five hundred dollars in spending cash. Those little ducats there, those dollarinis, you know, give you those as well. Give you an opportunity to do that. Plus, a little later on today, I've got um, a pair of tickets to see the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Detroit Pistons right here at the BOK Center on October 19th. In the meantime, we'll be talking about high school football with Lauren Montgomery of Bixby in about, oh, 10 minutes or so. John Walker, just under an hour from now from the Stillwater News Press covering OSU and Mike Boynton just over an hour from now from Oklahoma State. All right, a couple of things over the weekend. First of all, Scott, I hadn't gotten to our picks from the weekend. We both had a pretty good weekend. Um, I was 8-2 and two and you were 7-3. and three. Now, I've got to tell you, I was hanging on the fourth quarter of that Duke game. Duke Notre Dame. Holy cow. Uh, Duke fans were too. What a football game. Oh my goodness. You know, when when Riley Leonard gets the touchdown pass to put him up 14 13, you're thinking, I mean, what I'm thinking is, oh my goodness, you've already missed two field goals. And this is now a a, a field goal game, right? Uh, Instead, what happens, you know, Notre Dame gets a pretty good drive together, breaks a tackle on a big play, and they're able to get the win. The bigger bigger killing port was the fourth down, the scramble that, you know, Hartman runs on the fourth down and actually gets the first down was kind of a killer right there. Uh, So, but otherwise, we both had really good weeks. It was eight and two and seven and three overall. Um, My big miss was that one. Uh, your big mess was Colorado, which early on kind of looked like was going to be a blowout. But I got to tell you, yeah, if I didn't know they were going to be missing their top two defensive players before yep. kickoff, I would have changed. Yeah, but. well, and I got to say though, I, I, you got to have a real appreciation for the way those dudes fought back because early that looked like it was going to be a complete runaway, and it's just going to be it's over, right? And the Colorado football team just did not go gently into that good night. They hung around, they played their tails off. Shador Sanders played fantastic football. And they came back to make it a really pretty pretty doggone good football game. Losing, of course, but still a heck of a game. I I gotta tell you. At first you're wondering, is Dion all flash? Is it all just talk? You don't know how good TCU is. And by the way, they had a had a tough one as well. But then you look at what he the way this Colorado team came back without those guys, and you say to yourself, All right, I think what they're doing over there might just be real. Now, if you think about imagine you're around the country anywhere else. And you're maybe a little disgruntled, maybe not as happy there as you would be. Who knows? But you don't think Colorado is going to get looked at by just about everybody now? Well, they said they've had just a huge influx of recruits, you know, looking into Colorado now because of just the first five weeks of the season alone. You know, there was there's a time, you know, there was there was a time in college football where we talk about the recruiting, uh, you know, and the old facts things where the coaches would sit around, watch the fax machine, and just sweat, you know? Can you imagine? And, and then there are times in those in those eras when the OU's Texas and Nebraska's, they ran everything. And can you imagine now at Colorado, you may not have to do more than answer the phone to recruit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this has got to be the easiest recruiting job that Deion Sanders and his coaching staff are ever going to have to do. They literally don't have to go anywhere. 
I mean, they they literally have people coming to them. Yep, just to answer the phone. Just, oh, Colorado, you want to come here? Well, let's look into you. Maybe, maybe not. We'll yeah. see how it goes, right? Well, and one of the things Dion said after the game, and I thought this was a really interesting quote, was, you know, again, a lot of us maybe have thought, and me too, may have thought at the beginning, maybe he's just flash. Let's see. Mm-hmm. What did it, Jackson? JSG was a, flo- was a fluke. Well, I, did, I really didn't think that was a fluke. I, I thought he went in there. If you looked at that football team before and after and saw any film, he did organize that football team. There's no question. However, can you take that to the next level? And then and more importantly than that, can you take what he did at Colorado, which is clean out a locker room and really kind of start over? Can that be successful? Can you mesh those people? How many times have we heard you know somebody talk about, well, you got three or four stars on a team. One of the hardest things to do anyway is just mesh a football team. And yet he's done that with people who came from everywhere. And so he had this quote, which I thought was pretty interesting after the game. If you can't see what's coming with CU football, you've lost your mind. You're just a flat-out hater. If you can't see what's going on and what's going to transpire over the next several months. You know, when the, the basis of what he said is if you just can't see what's happening here. If, you, if all you can see is, well, I don't like Dion, and he said, if you don't, you're a hater. And there are good people who just don't like him for whatever reason. You know, maybe it's the way he did the program. Maybe he's a little too out there for them. Maybe he's a little too bombastic, a little too forward. Maybe you didn't l- like him as a, going back to his playing <clears throat> yeah, days. Yeah, maybe a little too forward. You know, you know, it's not a, there's a lot of people out there who don't like someone who's that self-confident and, and who doesn't mind telling you how good they are at something. So yeah, maybe there are some people, uh, but if you don't see what he's putting together and how that team is responding, then then I think you're not paying much attention. Biggest surprise over the weekend? Well, probably the 29 points in the fourth quarter for Baylor to come back and beat UCF. I flipped over to that game during my wonderful Saturday of nothing to do except watch college football and saw UCF up like they were, Scott, and thought, well, this one's in the bag. 26 nothing in the fourth quarter, Baylor, and they come back to win 36-35. It was rocking down there at UCF. I watched some of the beginning of that. What an atmosphere. Great first Big 12 game. And then to lose like that, that's hard to come back from. Matter of fact, the new teams coming in are what, combined 0-6 or 0-8 in, the big, in actual Big 12 play? Yeah, I don't think, I don't think they have a win yet. They do not. Not as of yet. That one was a, a bit of a surprise to me. Auburn, Georgia was not a surprise. I did. I thought that would be close. Um, I admit Oregon State, Utah was a surprise. Um, Ole Miss, not really a surprise that they can score, that they would win a bit of a surprise. And Kentucky's blowout of Florida, although I don't think Florida's that good. And I think Billy Napier is already in trouble that Kentucky football team can play offense. There's no doubt about that. We had some really interesting football over the weekend. Yeah, Graham Mertz still doing Graham Mertz things, this time down in Gainesville instead of Madison. But (laughs) I I was surprised going back to the Ole Miss game. I was surprised that they were able to keep up. I mean, I knew they could score, and he figured it would have been a shootout. But you would have thought that somewhere along the way, LSU would have strung together a couple stops. And nobody of, did. And yeah. nobody did. This was very, very arena football. Nobody strung together any stops in that one at all. But you know what? I think uh, it's, although not a surprise, I think one of the more pleasant games of the weekend was Oklahoma and their dismantling of Iowa State. There was a point in this game when it was fairly close. 
You know, Iowa State scores to get to 21-20. After that, and at that point, they had 259 total yards, and they were averaging a little over eight yards a play. So they were playing really well offensively. From that point on, they were held to 93 yards, 2.8 points per play, and the final 39 minutes didn't get anything else out of it, and they just get they get boat raced for 50 to 20. That Sooners defense struggled early, adjusted, and then just played lights out football. And of course, the offense is as good as as you are in college football right now. Anyway, they so remind me of Washington because of Dylan Gabriel's. Not only because he's lefty and Penix is a lefty, but the quick release, the way he gets the ball out, the way they've designed to get the ball out. Uh, the, you know, their receiving core has come together. Marcus Major started. I don't know if that you know that was a surprise to Ryan Avery. He, he wasn't sure he'd be the starter, but he did start and and played well enough. I was really more impressed by the way this team flipped that defense and came back. That's a statement game. I know it's not a great Iowa State team. Still, that's a good Iowa State defense. You roughed them up, and then you made your adjustments defensively. That's a really good sign for this Oklahoma. Yeah, team. you watch that first part of that game, and you're you're looking at it. And you're like, uh oh, here's this you know the pre-Texas struggles that we talked about last week. But you're right. After that block punt that somehow Trace Ford kicked out of the end zone, I don't know how you didn't recover that for an end for a touchdown. <laughs> and he got but, a lot of garbage about but that one too. After that, you're right. Iowa State did nothing. I mean, they just you credit the OU defense for making the adjustments. They got the the turnovers that they needed, you know, starting with the pick six, fifty seven seconds into the game. Yep. Um it, it, you're right. It was it was just a complete flip of the switch after that block punt. And, and, and you know, you speak about pre-Texas hangover, Texas beat Kansas in what turned out to be a really good game, even though Jalen Daniels didn't play with back soreness, and Jason Bean struggled early in that game. You always but heard Kansas the, was hanging they, around early. They were they were hanging around early, but then Quinn Ewers gets the touchdown run. They're able to win that game. So if they had any distraction at all, which they probably shouldn't have, since Texas beat them at their place not that long ago, right? They they pulled through and did what they needed to do. Both those teams set up why college game day is going, which is going to be a lot of fun. I And I watched a great deal of that Texas game, too, and watched a great deal of that Oklahoma game. I was busy, man. I was going all over the place uh, trying to watch as many college football games as I could. All right, so that's just part of the weekend, and there's much more to come. As I said, we'll get into NFL as well, plus more about why Rory McIlroy was as mad as he was, which didn't turn out to matter much because the Europeans just manhandled the Americans. And the Ryder Cup. I mean, it it was sixteen and a half to eleven and a half. I mean, it was this was just a it, that was a boat race too over there. Not good for the Americans. Yeah, the Americans were trying to have a furious comeback there, but they had dug themselves such a huge hole in the yeah. first two days that. And you know, and th- this you know, and the American team seemed to be more about who's going to wear a hat because of pay or that kind of thing, and then you know, getting heckled by the European crowd, and it it got a little bit carried away. It is eight, or pardon me, seven thirty, right here on the Blitz eleven seventy. That's Scott File. I am Rick Corey here, and before we get to Coach Lauren Montgomery, the head football coach at Bixby, let's talk about over at Door Company of Tulsa's commercial division, because this is the time of year. And we're going to transition into that cooler weather. And that overhead door of yours is going to go up and down a lot more than possibly it did during the summer. I mean, sometimes in the summer, you just leave the thing up, right? And you go ahead and do your work, turn the fans on in the warehouse or whatever. Well, during the winter, you can't, you just can't do that. I mean, not only rain, but cold and snow. And, I mean, kind of, kind of cold, it can ruin your, your merchandise. And actually, 
Really, obviously, it'd be hard on your employees. So that door is going to go up and down a lot more. So if you've got that little creak or that little sound or that little, you know, whatever, and you go, ah, no big deal. See, that's not good. If you ignore something like that, it gets worse. And if it gets worse, it stops working. And if it stops working, you're in real trouble. So here's what you do. You get a service contract with Overhead Door Company of Tulsa's Commercial Division, something the city of Tulsa has done for years for police and fire stations, doors that must work all the time. There's a reason they chose Overhead Door. It's because of their decade of experience in making things right. So if you need one replaced, repaired, whatever, you have over at Door Company's commercial division on your side. Doesn't always have to be a giant door. Could be a specialty door like a fire door or a high-speed door. No matter what, you need to have that service contract with them. It's very simple to find. Go to overatdoorcompanyoftulsa.com and then click on commercial. That's all you have to do. Go to over at doorcompanyoftulsa.com and click on commercial. It is 731 Blitz 1170, little high school football with Lauren Montgomery, head football coach at Bixby. When we come back, still talk OSU football later with John Walker and OSU basketball with Mike Boynton. You can text your questions at 918-262-5072 right here on the Blitz. Right now, though, let's talk a little high school football. Joining us, number one team in the state in 6A1, and their head football coach is Lauren Montgomery from Bixby. Lauren, congratulations on a nice win again last week. I know it's a kind of an early win, so you had a chance to take a little time. You guys obviously looking forward to the grind of what's left in the season. Tell me a little bit about how the week has gone. Yeah, so uh, went on, uh, had a road trip all the way down to Oklahoma City, our first real road trip. Uh, this season and it was on a Thursday night so had had some variables thrown in there but uh, but our kids handled it extremely well and we went out and and took care of business and came in Friday and watched uh, watch film and make corrections and and worked out and the the kids and coaches all got Saturday off so um, a good 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 week. No, there's no question. Anytime you can win 66 nothing and then take a little bit of time off. Now, we prepare for that part of the season. You've got Enid, Broken Arrow, Westmore, Moore, and Jinx still to come. So it's not like there's a time to relax. You do have some things kind of sprinkled in there. And that Enid game, fortunately, is at your place, so you don't have to travel again. But now well, you have five to go. We're halfway through the season. Is this team where you thought? Are you happy with things? What are you working on? Yeah, certainly we're happy and and thankful to be five and zero headed into the second half of the season, and and we're beginning to learn a few things about our team and and maybe what our identity is going to be. Um, still have have a lot of work to do and still have some question marks to to answer. But um, yeah, very very pleased uh, so far at the way our our team has started out and uh, and the leadership we have out of our senior class. Is there anybody who is in the last first half of the season has kind of stepped up maybe a little even more so than you thought, something that surprised you? Well, I don't know about uh, surprised, but just been uh, been very pleased with our entire front seven on defense. Uh, those guys have been getting after it. They're they're all returning starters from last year, and they're playing at a high level. They're playing hard um, and doing some really good stuff to put pressure on the teams that we're playing. Scott? You mentioned the schedule. Of course, you had the short week last week. You had the longer week this week. Since you are hitting now the second half of the season, do those few extra days kind of help you out now, or is it really kind of a wash? Well, if you're talking about the the extra days of recovery, I think it's good, and it, and it came out a good time. I, it's our last Thursday game, um, or should be last Thursday game of the season, and so it, it's good for the kids to get to have a Saturday off where they can enjoy college football and get an extra day of recovery. Now that we're we are in the middle of the season, the teams are beginning to get a little beat up here and there. 
so I think that's good. But uh, but no, as as we move forward, uh, we try to try to become more efficient in the second half of our season with practice and and the way we practice and the way we transition it so that we can get the kids out of the facility maybe just a little bit earlier each day than we do the first part of the season. Sure, yeah. How are you guys when it comes to injury-wise? I mean, I know everybody's going to have some bumps and bruises this time of year, but in pretty good shape? We're a little bit little bit banged up. We have a couple guys that are that are out for a, for a week or two, and then we've got um, what looks like, you know, two or three guys that, that we have had out since early in the season that are beginning to get – um, or close to getting healthy. Uh, we got one or two guys this week that are going to start running around and practicing, probably not playing just yet. But uh, but so got a couple different waves of uh, of guys getting healthy, and then we got a couple guys that that are working hard and and we're waiting to recover. You're t- you've got a needed team coming up in closing moments here with Lauren Montgomery, head football coach at Bixby. A needed team coming up that's two and three. They are coming off a nice win against Moore, who started three and zero, oh, and they've lost a couple in a row. Coach Woods is gone. New staff. What all do you know about them? What are you impressed about when you see them? Well, Coach Condor uh, was on uh, Rashawn Woods' staff, mm-hmm. and and he stayed on as head coach uh, when he left, and so. Offensively, they're doing some similar stuff. Defensively, um, they've completely changed what they do. They uh, they run an unorthodox defense that our guys are going to have to work extremely hard this week to prepare for because um, you you just don't see it very often. Um, if you're familiar with Stillwater, um, over the past several years, they're running a similar defense to, to them. And so we do have some familiarity with it, but the majority of our players don't. We, last time we played Stillwater was three years ago. And uh, only one or two guys, you know, off of that team started. And so um, we're going to have to work our tails off this week preparing and coaching our guys up. You mentioned you got to watch a little college football on Saturday. Just awful news out of Fayetteville, though. Of course, Luke Haas suffering that broken clavicle there in that first drive against Texas A&M. And he was growing into – he was their number two wide receiver there in Arkansas. How tough is that injury and how strong is he mentally – uh, obviously he is, but how well is he going to be able to come back from this? Well, it's tough. Um, I I was actually watching that game, and and immediately as soon as he tackled, I saw him saw him get up and saw the pain on his face. Had a pretty good idea um, of what the what the injury was. You know, unfortunately, we've seen a few of those collarbones. Um, you know, coaching football a little while, and and so. Um, Darren, his dad had, had texted me not too long after to confirm that, and uh, and you know he's going to have surgery and uh, he's going to recover. I, I imagine he'll miss the remainder of the season unless there's a a bowl appearance or something like that that maybe he could play for. But um, but yeah, no, we're just super proud of Luke and the and the way he started off in the season he's had, and and uh, he's tough and he's gritty, and it's just one of those things about football. He'll uh, he'll work really hard to recover and. They'll just need to stay positive and keep the spirits up. Yeah, it was a, it's a tough loss and a tough loss for the Arkansas overall. But so far, your guys rolling, continuing to be unbeaten, number one in six A one, and it's just now taking care of business the rest of the way down the, down the uh, down the pike, if you will. And as you said, hopefully those Thursday long day trips are over. Man, I hate those. Lauren, thanks very much for your time. We'll let you go coach your football team. We'll see you again next week.
Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You betcha. Lauren Montgomery, head football coach at Bixby, right here on the Blitz 1170. It is 744 on this, when, or Monday, pardon me, drive to work. Still to come, we'll be talking with John Walker from the Stillwater News Press. Already th- talked to Marty Smith of ESPN this morning. Thanks to him for being here as well. And Scott, those uh, Thursday, I got to tell you, those Thursday out-of-town Oklahoma City games, oof. <laughs> they don't even sound fun. No, it, it, it is not. <laughs> and even coming back, you know, unions went over UConn on Friday. Even coming back from that one on Friday late at night and early in the morning, those get uh, a little bit tougher. But, boy, you've seen some really good high school football. Rankings have changed a little bit. You, uh, Bixby's still number one. Unions moved back into number two after the jinx loss. And that loss, quite honestly, of all that I saw over the weekend, that one really surprised me. Mm-hmm. Now, I know everybody can be a little up and down, but that one really surprised me. That's the same jinx team that beat Union. And then Union beat Owasso, and then Owasso. <laughs> I mean, this this just goes around. Then you know, and then Jinx Beach. You know, it just keeps going in this big circle. Yeah, and especially for it to happen at home, that was kind of the head scratching part of it. But yep. um, you know, still five weeks left in the season, a lot can change here in the district races. So and and will more than likely, oh, absolutely, and especially the way the rankings have been jumbled around and continue to be jumbled around. All right, seven forty-five here on the Blitz eleven seventy. The other thing we talked about, it, it will just change courses for a moment. How much attention did you did you pay any attention to the Ryder Cup other than oh, what's the score until the Rory blow up? Uh, a little bit of some, just because with the late night and then you know with the late night that we had Thursday night at. Uh, at TU and then, you know, high school football on Friday. I didn't really get to watch a whole lot of it. Um, I was kind of following it, reading the headlines, seeing some, uh, uh, you know, seeing some highlights of it. Mm-hmm. And But, yeah, the I don't know why America has struggled in Europe the last 30 years when it comes to the Red Cup. They haven't won over there in 30 years. It just seems bizarre, but it's true. that And for both sides have said, you know, when it's at the other guy's place, it's just hard. That's all there is to it. You know, when you, when the, when you're in in you in the USA, it's tough for Europe. When you're in Europe, it's tough for the USA. The, but this whole blow up, and if you're not aware of it, so the Ryder Cup was certainly going Europe's way. There's no question about that. But there was a big pairing on. This was Saturday, right? And you know, Patrick Cantlay had just made a really big putt, and Rory McIlroy had an opportunity to then make a putt that would continue that particular part of the match, right? In the, in the Ryder Cup, remember, there's, you know, there, there's, you know, match play, if you will, and there's just a lot of different angles. So Rory is trying to line up his putt. And during that time, there is a um, caddy, Joe LaCava, who is rallying the crowd, and he is walking around in the, the line of sight, if you will, of Rory's putt, and he's waving his hat. And then he turns out to be standing, what, maybe two feet from Rory, waving the hat? And you, you see Rory turn to him and say something and kind of put his arm out, and the two kind of jawed each other a little bit. And then LaCava turns and walks away and just ke- keeps flipping the hat, and somebody else yells at him, and you see him turn and yell at them, and Rory goes ahead, and Rory misses the putt at any rate. You know, the Europeans end up winning 16.5 and, and 11.5, and, and they were going to end up winning anyway. But at that particular moment, the U.S. was trying to kind of start building comeback. Well, then when they're trying to leave later on and, and get into the car, Rory McElroy goes again, goes kind of ballistic, and it turns out yelling at another caddy, Bones McKay, just because he happened to be the only guy around. And it was all because 
he says LaCava was in his way and was disrespectful to him and to the Europeans. And to Roy's point, he had actually quieted the crowd as the Americans were putting. And he had done his part. And he said, you know, hey, it's the right thing to do. I'm doing my, you know, doing my thing. And then when LaCava does the other, the opposite, he got really irritated. Now, golf is a game with a lot of those kind of rules, if you will. Or not rules, but, you know, that's just the etiquette. way. Yeah, the etiquette out there. And we, we've gotten kind of used to live golf now. And it's probably one of the reasons Rory hates live and how loud it is, golf but louder. And we, we saw it here and we enjoyed it here in Broken Arrow. I think golf may be kind of rolling that direction anyway. Well, and the Ryder Cup is different than like a normal PGA Tour event or a major. I mean, the, the crowds are raucous mm-hmm. more over there. And they're supposed so, to be. Yeah. I mean, it's country versus country, right? Or, you know, European, Europe versus the U.S. So here's my question. Was Rory out of line? Was LaCava out of line? LaCava was part, I mean, I, I think LaCava personally was partially out of line. You just don't stand that close to a guy. I mean, if you want to wave the hat and walk around, fine. If I'm Rory, I'll stand back and watch. You wave, you walk around a little bit, and then get out of the way and let me make my putt. Or at least let me, you know, line up my putt. But I, I thought Rory probably took it a little too personally right there. It, when in the end of the day, was it somewhat, I don't know that it was disrespectful. It was probably just, I don't know, a little macho, if you will, you know, the screaming and yelling at that point. But I, I think Rory might have taken may, might have taken it a little too personally. I'm sure he did, especially after he had quieted the crowd for the Americans. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure he did take it personal. And it, I, I mean, I think too personally. I mean, again, I would stand watch. And if you want to tell the guy, hey, can I make my putt and have him move and have him move along? But then to lose his mind like that a little bit more. I mean, he's obviously has respect for the game and believes. And to yell at a guy who wasn't even right, involved, part of it. right, right. And you know, he just happened to be the guy who was there when Roy starts yelling. I mean, maybe maybe he took it a little too personally, uh, in in my opinion. But that's what all the hubbub was about. And at the end of the day, it really didn't matter once again because you know the, you know, the Europeans won pretty easily. But you know, in this whole you know thing, Cantlay was the one who was complaining about pay, and that's why he wasn't wearing the hat, and that's for the wavings of the hat and all that kind of thing. Look, I wonder because of the you know PGA and Live coming together to begin with, is that where golf is trending? Is golf trending to the louder, the more crowds are allowed to be involved, and in and that kind of thing? Are we headed for that, or will the PGA I think so. squash it? Especially with, with with you know as you mentioned those aspects, and then golf trying to skew and market toward a younger audience. I I think golf is kind of trending that way slowly. Not they're not quite a, you know, they're not quite going zero to sixty like Liv did, but I think they're slowly trending that way. How do you think that'll work though? Because the the people who love golf in its current form, the the you know, the the hard and fast PGAers, you know, or USGAers even, they're not gonna want this. They're not gonna like this and they're not going to adjust well to this. No, they aren't. It'll be interesting to see. You'll it'll just be kind of like a bigger battle, like we've seen with PGA and Live. Just be kind of when and, and, when, and how's that going to work with the merger? That, that's that's what I was going to say. Once again, we we're going to find out who's really most in charge. A lot of Live money, but they keep saying the PGA is going to run things, and it's hard to imagine that you're going to throw a lot of your money at something and not have an opinion. And just sit on your hands. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you know, and, and may they? They might. 
I don't have a clue. I'm just asking you what you think at 918-262-5072. And, you know, another question for text, is this the time? Is this the time for golf to go ahead and do that, to become, you know, I've always made the, not really a joke, but if you can have a linebacker coming at your head at 60 miles an hour with 200, with 100,000 people cheering you, why can't somebody yell at you before you hit a little ball that's not moving? Or or hit a fastball coming at yeah. you 103 miles an hour. Yeah, and, uh, you know, and, and I, know, I know tennis is somewhat the same way in that you're, you're quiet during the actual play. I don't know. I, I, I'm you know, again. I'm not a golf historian. I know the history of the sport. I'm not. A, I'm not someone who clings on to that. You know, traditional background. If you are, I'm not quite sure how I feel about it. So I'd love to know how you feel about it at nine one eight two six two five zero seven two. It is seven fifty two on the Blitz eleven seventy. Pumpkin Town Farms are open again. You have an opportunity to win four tickets to go to go to Pumpkin Town Farms. You know what it is. 61st and Garnett, got the maze. You got all the pumpkins you can choose from. You know, there's the hay rides out there and the petting zoo and all kinds of cool stuff. All you have to do is go to the theblitztulsa.com right now. You sign up there. You get a chance to win a four-pack of tickets to Pumpkin Town Farms here on the Blitz 1170. It is 7.53. When we come back, uh, the AP Top 25, you heard uh, Scott mention that. Get into that a little bit. Plus, we'll let you know exactly who's where in the Major League Baseball playoffs because we are scheduled there, too. Coming up at 8.10, John Walker, Stillwater News Press, and at 8.30, Mike Boynton, head basketball coach at Oklahoma State, right here on The Blitz. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170 podcast from Bravado Wireless.